Let us now read together what we confess first in the Canons of Dort, chapter 5, article 10, that's on page 568 of your book of praise. And then Lord's Day 1 of the Heidelberg Catechism. The source of this assurance. This assurance is not produced by a certain private revelation besides or outside the word, but by faith in the promises of God, which he has most abundantly revealed in his word for our comfort by the testimony of the Holy Spirit, witnessing with our spirit that we are children and heirs of God, and finally, by the serious and holy pursuit of a clear conscience and of good works. And if the elect of God did not have in this world the solid comfort of obtaining the victory and this unfailing pledge of eternal glory, they would be, of all men, the most miserable. Now, from Lord's Day 1. And there we find God's word summarized as follows. What is your only comfort in life and death? That I am not my own, but belong with body and soul, both in life and in death, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood, and has set me free from all the power of the devil. He preserves me in such a way that without the will of my Heavenly Father, not a hair can fall from my head. Indeed, all things must work together for my salvation. Therefore, by His Holy Spirit, He also assures me of eternal life and makes me heartily willing and ready from now on to live for Him. What do you need to know in order to live and die in the joy of this comfort? First, how great my sins and misery are. Second, how I am delivered from all my sins and misery. Third, how I am to be thankful to God for such deliverance. After the sermon, we will respond to the singing from Psalm 22, the stanzas 1, 4, and 8. Love congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, also you boys and girls. This morning we're going to deal with our only comfort. Comfort means different things to different people. Something that can comfort you at one time may not comfort you at another time. For example, when you are a little child and you scrape your knee, then a kiss and a hug from your mother will comfort you. So will a bandage with a cartoon figure on it. It makes you feel good, and it helps you to forget the pain. But I don't think that the teenagers in our midst would want to be comforted in the same way. Hugs from mom are usually beneath them. Teenager aren't, teenagers aren't always that cuddly. 
Comfort means different things to different people. That's the way it is with all of us. A pew may be comfortable for some people, but not for others. And so I could give many more examples. And so it is surprising that the Heidelberg Catechism speaks about our only comfort. How can we speak about our only comfort when it means different things to different people? Well, comfort has to do with our weaknesses. And only God can deal with our weaknesses. The word comfort literally means strengthening aid or to make strong. That is what a mother does with her children. She feeds them and coddles them and watches over them. It is wonderful to see mothers with their babies. They are totally devoted to them and they will cater to their every need, even in the middle of the night when they are sound asleep they will wake up at, a, at the slightest noise or whimper from the baby. Babies are weak and totally dependent on their mother for their well-being. When the baby cries because of hunger, they will bring them to their breast. And when they are comfortable because of a, uncomfortable because of a dirty diaper, then they will change the baby, cleaning him and putting on a new diaper. And as the baby grows, it becomes strong and healthy. But now the Lord God compares us to babies. For he says in Isaiah 66, verse 11, For you will nurse and be satisfied at her comforting breasts. And in verse 13, As a mother comforts her child, so I comfort you. Isaiah is speaking here to Israel. Israel is the baby feeding at the breast of her mother. Israel is God's people. And God's people are those people with whom the Lord has made his covenant. And so that refers to you and to me as well. We too are like a baby totally dependent on its mother for everything. Like a baby, we constantly need to be nourished and changed. That's what I will preach to you about this morning. The theme is as follows. Like a mother, the church nourishes her children with the only comfort. For we have been rendered in the first place free, in the second place safe, and in the third place secure. Those are the three points of this sermon. In the first part of Isaiah's prophecy, he comes with the condemnation of God's people. He tells them that the Lord God is going to punish them and that he is going to send them into exile. He uses eloquent language and graphic images in order to bring the point home. The language at times is also harsh and full of irony. But in chapter, four, in chapter 40, he starts a new section with a completely different, in a completely different tone. He now comes with a soothing message, a message of hope and joy and comfort. He starts off chapter 40 with the words, Comfort 
Comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that the hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. And comfort continues to be the theme throughout the next 26 chapters. It is the golden thread that runs throughout this last part of this wonderful prophecy. In the last chapter of his prophecy, Isaiah once again uses the word comfort. He does so in verse 11 when he speaks about the comforting breasts of Jerusalem. And in verse 13 when he speaks about how a mother comforts her child and how he at the same, at the same time will also comfort Jerusalem. Comfort is also the golden thread that runs through the Heidelberg Catechism. Before it deals with our sins and misery and our salvation and thankfulness, we are first told about our comfort. The Heidelberg Catechism, like the Bible itself, is a book of comfort. The Heidelberg Catechism takes us on a journey of discovery about ourselves and about God's riches. The Catechism tells us why we need to be saved. It addresses our failures, our shortcomings, our sins and misery. It deals with the inner turmoil that we all experience because of the tensions that are in our lives. And it, is especially, and it deals especially with the many ways God reaches out to us and how we are to respond to that. Throughout it all, we have to go, we go back to this one concept of comfort. We are weak, but God is strong. And he helps us through the darkest moments. He stands by us from the cradle to the grave, and he never abandons us. In his prophecy, Isaiah pictures the misery of God's people as they languish in foreign lands. Israel has been inhabited by foreigners. Jerusalem is no more. It has been razed to the ground. Also, the temple has been destroyed. The enemies of God's people ridicule them. They say sarcastically, as we know from verse 5, Let the Lord be glorified that we may see your joy. They mockingly repeat the words of their captors who want to go back to their homelands. They think that the God, the creator of heaven and earth, is impotent. He certainly will not be able to rescue his people. This is a very bleak time for God's people. But Isaiah comes with the word of God and who tells his people that God's church will always continue, even to the end of time. He says, before she goes into labor, she gives birth. Before the pains come upon her, she delivers a son. Isaiah uses the image of birth to show the miraculous work of the Lord God in bringing forth his people that will serve and glorify him. And with this image, he brings home the point that suddenly Jerusalem is going to be inhabited again. It is like the birth of, of a baby, except no labor planes will precede it. God has removed his curse. The curse that he had pronounced upon the woman in paradise after she had fallen into sin when he said in Genesis 3, verse 16, that he will greatly increase the woman's pains in childbearing, 
and that with pain she will give birth to children. That curse has been removed. There will be no labor pains. Suddenly, his children will appear and make their dwelling in Jerusalem. It says that Zion will give birth to her. Zion, of course, refers to Jerusalem. And Jerusalem refers to God's church. For it is in Jerusalem that God's people gather together. That's where the temple is. Where the sacrifices are made. And where the forgiveness of sins is portrayed in all the ceremonies performed there. And that is where God's people sing praises to God. And that is where the law is read. And where the people are taught. Brothers and sisters, the same thing is true today. Paul says in Galatians 4 verse 26, But the Jerusalem that is above is free, and she is our mother. It is in Jerusalem that you will be comforted. For it is there where God's people are gathered in his name that you will hear the wonderful news of the forgiveness of sins. God sets you free. He sets you free from the bondage to sin. And that is especially what Israel at that point in its history also needed to hear. They needed to hear that God was no longer angry with them because of their sins. For they are languishing in those foreign countries, afraid that God is no longer with them. There they were in bondage to their captors. But God will send a remnant back to Jerusalem, just like that. That's what he promises. And there she will be free. Once again they can serve her. Once again they can receive the forgiveness of sins as symbolized through the sacrifices. And brothers and sisters, boys and girls, the same thing is true today. The church is like a mother. She nourishes you with the word. Boys and girls go to catechism where they are fed the good food of God's word. And every Sunday in church we may find ourselves under the preaching by which we may be fed and encouraged and also warned to remain close to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And that is why we need to be regularly gathering together. For we are weak and we need to be strengthened. We need to be comforted. We need good nutritious food and we need to be changed just like a baby. And that has to happen on a regular basis. A mother does not feed her baby and change it only once in a while. No, that happens on a very regular basis. And so it is with us. We need to feel her presence. A mother loves her child and the child knows her. A little child is most comfortable with his mother. The child knows that it is the mother who gives it everything that it needs. It knows that the mother knows the child like no one else. The child knows that he or she belongs to her. They belong together. And those are the wonderful words that we also hear in the Heidelberg Catechism. It says that it is our only comfort in life and death that I am not my own, but belong with body and soul to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. In all of us, there is a great psychological need to belong. God has created us to be in relationships. He has created us to be in a relationship, first of all, with him. And that is why the image that Isaiah gives here is so beautiful. Zion gives birth to her children. 
it is the church who gives birth. But the church is ruled by the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the head and we are the body. And we belong together. Our identity is tied up with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We're Christians. It is so important for us to hang on to that declaration of belonging throughout our whole life, throughout all circumstances. For often we do not think about our identity as children of God. When we think about our identity, we think about our accomplishments or our lack of accomplishments. We also tie our identity to the things that have happened to us. If we have been abused as a child, we think of ourselves as victims. If we have been diagnosed with cancer, we think of ourselves as cancer patients. When things are difficult in life because of our own incompetence or the incompetence of others, we think about ourselves as losers. And so I could go on. The other side of the coin is that if we have been successful in business and have many people working for us, we think of ourselves as accomplished individuals. Or if we are academically gifted and are given a prominent position in society, then we think of ourselves as important people. And when we have a lot of money, we think of ourselves as rich. And when we don't, then we think of ourselves as poor. But now, look at what it says here in the Catechism. It says that my identity is tied to the Lord Jesus Christ. He doesn't speak here about anything that I have, or that I have or have not accomplished. It doesn't speak here either about what culture I come from, or what the color of my skin is. It doesn't speak about my body shape either, that I'm fat and ugly, or beautiful and slim. No, we are property of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that means above all else that we are his children. That is our identity no matter what happens to us, no matter what circumstances we're in, no matter what we have accomplished or not accomplished. We come to the second point. That does not mean, of course, that we do not have to do anything in order to belong. Of course we do. We have to serve him. We have to keep his commandments. We have to believe in him. God commands these things from us. But the point is that we, what we do or what we are of ourselves does not determine our relationship with God. We belong, all of us. And nothing can change that except that we walk away from him. We all belong, also our little children no matter what circumstances we find ourselves in. And what a great comfort that is. It is a great comfort. That is, for example, the comfort that David also had with regard to his child, who died seven days after his birth. When the child was gravely ill, David was in mourning and implored the Lord to spare its life. But as soon as the child died, he was no longer in mourning and rejoiced in the fact that the child was with the Lord. David said in 2 Samuel 12, verse 23, But now that he is dead, why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I will go to him, but he will not return to me. 
David knew that even though the child was too young to know anything about his relationship with the Lord his God, he would nevertheless be with the Lord in heaven and that he would meet his child there. That is the comfort that David had. He did not have to wait for that child to come to faith before he could be sure. No, he had that comfort then already. And that is the comfort we may also have, also when it comes to our little children. We belong to the Lord our God through all of life and even through death. Can you imagine if he did not have that comfort? As we read in Article 10 of Chapter 5 of the Canons of Dort, if we did not have that solid comfort, we would be of all men most miserable. As that article also says, we do not need private revelations beside or outside of the Word to tell us that we are children of God. What we need is to believe in the promises of God, which He has abundantly revealed to us in His Word for our comfort by the testimony of the Holy Spirit, witnessing with our spirit that we are children and heirs of God in order to strengthen us in the knowledge. He also gives us the sacraments. And with the sacraments, he gives us the signs and seals of his promises. The Catechism says that he preserves me in such a way that without the will of my Heavenly Father, not a hair can fall from my head. The Lord God watches over us all the time. There is nothing that escapes his attention. Some of you may wonder about that. What about the pain and sorrow that we have to endure in life? Some people are afflicted more than others. They find themselves in misery much of the time. And there are many things that go wrong here on earth. Think about the earthquakes and the cruelty of man against man. How can God create the world with so much misery? That's a legitimate question. But before you stare yourself blind on the question... Put it into the context of salvation. Put it in the context of God's love shown to us through his Son. The Lord God cares for us like a mother for her child. Listen to what Isaiah says in verse 12. I will extend peace to her like a river and the wealth of nations like a flooding stream. And in verse 14, when you see this, your heart will rejoice and you will flourish like grass. Jerusalem had been destroyed and many of its inhabitants were murdered or sent into exile. It has seen destruction and misery. It was a sign of God's curse. But now peace will flow into her like a river. And the riches of the nations will also flow into her. Jerusalem is going to be rich. The wealth will come to her from all over. It's going to be a most glorious city. That prophecy is fulfilled for the remnant that will return to Jerusalem after the exile, but it will find its final fulfillment in the new Jerusalem. For that's what we read in Revelation 21, verse 24, where it says, speaking about the new Jerusalem, the nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. When you are in Jerusalem, then you are rich, enormously rich, Jerusalem will nourish all her children. Her children will come from all over to be nourished and cared for and coddled. 
And brothers and sisters, boys and girls, you may have a foretaste of that today. For we also belong to the Jerusalem that is above. God nourishes us with his word and spirit. He nourishes us with the knowledge that he deeply cares for us and that he wants to lead us every step of the way. Oh, sure, there's pain and sorrow here on this earth. But as someone who belongs to God, you know what plan he has for you. You know that no matter what happens to you here on earth, you will be safe with him. He will not abandon you. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, therefore, don't walk away from him. Keep coming to church, not just once on a Sunday, but twice. Be diligent and put into practice what you hear from the pulpit, what you read in God's word. Don't just be a bench warmer, but put your faith into action. Do your utmost. Be the best that you can be. But remember, your identity is not tied up with your accomplishment, but with who you are, a child of God. You are his baby. That's also your security. We come to the third point. The Catechism says that by his Holy Spirit, he also assures me of eternal life. The fact that he assures us means that we may know this as a certainty. That's not a popular concept in this day and age. How can you be certain of anything? Isn't that haughty? There are many Christians who state that there are a lot of things in the Bible we cannot be certain of either. They believe, for example, that the Bible teaches different things about baptism or about the covenant. How can I be sure that I or my children are indeed children of God? There are so many questions. There is so much wrong with me. There is so much wrong in my life. So much wrong in other people's lives. How can we be sure? Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, the Lord God does not want you to doubt. He wants you to embrace his promises. The promises that he made to Abraham and his seed. Abraham is the father of all believers. And so we as believers can also be sure of God's promises that he makes to us and also to our seed. James says that he who doubts is like, the wave, like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. When you are in doubt, you have no peace. Then you are blown in, then in this direction and then in that direction. The Lord God does not want that for you and for me. He wants you to be sure of your salvation. He wants you to be sure so that you can be heartily ready and willing from now on to live for him. As a child of God, it cannot be otherwise. As a child of God, you cannot but serve him. Even though you do that imperfectly. Even though you sin all the time. Even though there are so many things that confound you. But no matter what, no matter what dark hole you may find yourself in in your life, one thing is sure. The Lord God is the almighty creator of heaven and earth, and he has also created you. He has created you to praise and glorify his wonderful name. And as long as you hang on to that, and as long as you also do that in your life, you will be safe and secure in the knowledge that God will take care of you into eternity. That is your only comfort. Amen.